Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the CRMG podcast. Uh, CRMG is Cyber Risk Management Group, and my name's Nick Frost. I'm one of the owners of CRMG, and uh, joined today by one of our principal consultants, Simon Lacey. Say hello, Simon. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so today's topic is is about data ownership, um, and I don't think we're going to have all the silver bullets for this topic, but we are certainly going to share our own experiences, what we found worked well um, in in our previous organizations, as well as those that clients that we're working and supporting with today. So let me start this whole topic off because there's a difference between data ownership in my in my experience and system ownership. And system ownership seems to be something that is easier to do and achieve in an organization. So that is, a, you know, ensuring that you identify the owner of a system or application. Um, but actually trying to identify the owner of data is is a lot trickier to do. Um, why is it necessary? Um, in my experience, it is necessary because the emphasis sometimes is on trying to protect a system. And really the emphasis has to be on protecting the data. You know, and how you slice and dice that data, whether you use data types, data categories, it doesn't really matter, but there needs to be individuals responsible for that data. Um, so let me stop there. That's kind of my sort of, you know, soapbox statement. Um, Simon, what do you think about data ownership and what are the key challenges that you see? Ah, uh, data ownership. That's uh, that's something that very, uh, very often ends up on the, the too difficult pile, isn't it? Um <laughs> Sometimes you sometimes refer to it as information asset owners, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, uh, what I would say, and, I, and I, maybe this is a bit provocative to say this, an organisation that will define its data owners will almost certainly better information security and managing its risks than one that doesn't. Um, okay. Why the do reason you... I say this is you've got nice, clear lines of accountability and responsibility. Um, so it doesn't matter how difficult it is. Yeah. There is a, a direct relation to better security performance if you have them. And if there's somebody out there who disagrees with me, I'd love to hear from them because that, um, that's how I've seen it. Every, everywhere I've worked, I've, I've seen it. If you, if, if you struggle to find, if you struggle to have data owners, you tend to have other issues. Okay. So have you worked they, in organisations that have had defined data owners? And could you give us some examples of like, you know, what, what data types they were responsible for? Uh, for data types, it could be pretty much anything. It can be from, uh, from uh, intellectual property, for example, so manufacturing-wise. It could be a, a design for something you make. It yeah. could be personal data, HR file, HR information. So if we think about the GDPR context, the special data that you're going to hold yeah. if you – by simply employing people, even down to things like trade union membership and perhaps uh, occupational health information, etc. Um, so organisations have a whole raft of data, financial data. Um, it's, it's quite weird that organisations will very often um, see this as too difficult to work out what information they've got. Mm. But in my experience, the whiteboard and some pens and a couple of hours and you can flush out the main types fairly quickly, Yeah, of which I've mentioned a yeah. Okay. So, so, so just, I think that's a good point. Sorry to jump in, but I, I, I like that. I really like that, which is, you know, when I've seen these sort of data ownership projects and programs start off, it's really, 
it's really about trying to make an exact science out of it and ensure that we have an owner for every type of information asset in an organization. So what you're saying there is go for the kind of, you know, the obvious, you know, data categories. It could be, I don't know, credit card information. Uh, it could be, as you say, you know, personal information, customer information, whatever it is. Is that what you're suggesting? Just start off with the basic, obvious data assets. Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I, th- I think um, it's, it's uh, um, to misquote Einstein, it's a route to insanity if you just uh, <laughs> you just go out there and try and find every bit of data, yeah. give it an owner. It's because you'll always find something because, you know, organisations grow organically over time. They merger and acquisition. Yeah. Um, they, 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 they have a management buyout or whatever, and everything changes. Um, so organisations grow organically. Um, if you, if, we'd all like to sit here in cybersecurity and say, ah, oh, everything's done in a structured manner. Well, we all know that, that simply doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. So it's much less structured than that. But if you, start, if you start at that high level, that's a much easier, you know, it's back to the, the whole thing about the, uh, and I use this, the I use this example and the anecdote quite a lot, about the, uh, uh, the peace agreement in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, bear with me, Nick, there's a link to this. Okay. <laughs> is that what, what Tony Blair did and what the report, what, what the agreement said wasn't that they have peace in our time, it was peace in their granddaughter's, grandchildren's time. Okay, yeah. So you chunk it up. So yeah. if you chunk up, it's much easier to digest. If you chunk down and get into more and more detail, there's always a reason for you not to do it and you get lots yeah. of days, uh, elaborate data. If you chunk up, it becomes digestible and, and achievable. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So you've got these, you know, individuals in the business, incredibly busy, probably having a really bad day. You drag them into a meeting called data ownership and you're about to sort of give them the great news that they now have more accountability for effectively what is a nebulous entity. How, how, so that's your starting point. So how, how do you win hot? <laughs> How do you win hearts and minds and, and achieve a successful outcome? Simple question. Over to well, you. <laughs> yeah, can I, can I give you the secret of alchemy first? <laughs> and then we'll come. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to, to, to the listeners that this is dead easy and that there's a magic magic solution that you can just wander in and suddenly the, the guy who, who's head of production, um, who is producing a million widgets an hour, is suddenly going to say, great, you give me something else to do and shake you by the hand. That's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but, but I also think it's, a, it's, a, it's an influencing piece um, for me. Yeah. So one, you can go down the route of saying, the chief executive says you are doing it. Okay. Um, now, those of you who've got children will know, actually, if, you, if you're quite dictatorial about things, um, there's going to, particularly as a teenager, they'll then be followed by a list of reasons why they can't. Uh, <laughs> Whereas actually the other way is to influence um, and, and, you know, uh, it's back to this whole thing. I know, I know we can't do it in lockdown scenario, but yeah. actually that ability of personal relationships. And I think my, my experience of security is it's not always easy to do that and not always willing to do that. Yeah. It's that bit where you'd rather send an email than pitch up to somebody's desk and say, hey, let me buy you a coffee and have yeah. a chat about it. Um, because you have to sell the reason why it's good for the business. Yeah. You know, you because we understand so when you're accountable, you own the risk. Uh, and, and let's be honest, um, the person who owns the data owns the risk. Um, the security team doesn't own the risk because mm-hmm. if you look at the three lines defense model, you know, security is going to sit in the second line, head yeah. of production is going to sit in the first line. 
if, if, if there's a security breach, which means your widgets are no longer being produced, yeah. who's going to be the one to blame to the board what's going on? It will be the head of production, not the security guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so is, is that, that, you know, hey, if you own a pet, you, you, you are responsible for looking after that pet, walking that pet, taking the pet to the vets. Um, etc. etc. So is that ownership, that, that, that responsibility and accountability that comes with ownership, ownership of your car. So the simple term means that you have control. Um, yeah. But that's not to say that the production is responsible for everything, it is accountable, but they're not responsible for everything. They can outsource that and they can take expert advice. So I've gone around the houses to this bit about well, how do we influence. Well, actually, if you've got a security team and perhaps an, inform- uh, an IT team yeah. that want to work with owner of the data and support that owner. So it's, you know, making them feel loved, making them feel, you give them a virtual hug. Yeah. Um, support them in doing that. Um, I think that's one of the biggest fears for people who own data or have been asked to own data is that they they don't really understand what there is they're being done and they think they're doing it on their own. Well, that's... And, and actually they're not part of a team. No, I, I think that's a good point. So if I put myself in that sort of situation of, you know, I'm head of production and, you know, suddenly I've, I've been nominated along with my other colleagues at that at my particular level to own certain data assets. I think the first question I'd have is, you know, kind of so what? What 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 does what does my scope uh, and what kind of activities am I going to be involved in? So how would you how would you answer that? Because I'd imagine that I'd imagine there'd be a nod towards yeah, accountability. I'll, I'll own that, but but then the next questions are, well, can we just unpack this a little bit? What what, are, what does it actually mean? Am I going to be more involved in cybersecurity decisions? What would they be? You know, what what does what does that accountability break down into? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a, actually a great question, um, and, and one that um, I would always suggest organizations actually define what those responsibilities are and that accountability mm-hmm. um, it, and put it in writing and put it in the job description etc um, so I, I just, th- just thinking here um, in terms of what the responsibilities might look like you know you're responsible for understanding the value of those assets to the business yeah so the head of action using that example will understand intimately the value of those patented designs that they use to manufacture whatever it is they manufacture. Mm-hmm. That's his job. So it adds the value to the business of that asset. Now, somebody in security would probably have a guess at that. Yeah. But they wouldn't know because it's not what they're there for. Yeah. Um, the responsibility of formally reviewing those risks. Now, again, you're reviewing them. Um, and again, it might be another provocative statement I'm going to make now. Go on, but, uh, go for it. Um, I, I don't think that there is any such thing as cyber Okay. Um, because cyber risk is 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 just a business risk. Oh I yeah, I'd agree with that. Too- I'd agree with that. Sorry, go Nick. No, I completely yeah, I think- completely agree. So too to, too often organisations will just push that. Oh, it's cyber, so therefore it's those guys who sit in the basement's responsibility, nothing to do with me. Yeah. Well, actually, if that risk crisis is an impact on the work of the head of production, it's his. He's failing to meet his business objectives because of that data breach. Yeah. So he should know that. Um, and, and, and making sure they understand the, 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 uh, uh, any vulnerabilities there may be, may be applicable, and legislation. So, again, somebody in security might not necessarily be the, 
than first person in terms of employment law if it's HR data. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I guess all this stuff links really quite quite neatly into the fact that um, we can't run security in a silo. Security is part of the business. Yeah. Um, and we need to drag it out of that basement um, and make it more business focused. Yeah. Um, and that might that we have security liaison people that go and sit with the business, hold surgeries once a week, support those data those data owners. Yeah, I, I mean, I so I, I yeah completely buy into that. I have to say, my you know one of the reasons I still like to get involved uh, in doing risk assessments or sitting in on risk assessments um, is 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 that business piece that you know business assessment workshop impact assessment workshop whatever you want to call it but that's the point where you are looking at a process or maybe a critical system and you understand the information or data assets on it and then you run through a series of scenarios to gain an understanding and there are so many times when you're in those meetings and you just think you're going into this with a clear picture of impacts and you come away with something totally different after that you've had people in the business explain you know, what that actually means to them personally and to the business. Um, so I can see I can see things like, a, you know, a business impact assessment workshop, which we're all very familiar with in cybersecurity. I can see that as a really good vehicle for, um, I suppose, increasing that level of, I suppose, identifying key owners for data, um, but also for security and the business to understand the consequences of a breach of you know, your IP production line or your marketing plans or whatever it may well be. Yeah, just also thinking that through is that actually, you know, do we care about data breaches or do we care about the consequence of the data breach? Um, now, that might be seen a subtle play on words. Go on. Um, but actually, it's a to the business, isn't it, that, that, that we're all worried about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying security we try and keep the business safe and the business wants to continue to deliver on its objectives yeah um so you know again how, how many organizations out there had pandemic on their risk registers? yeah i know i know um, i would not very many outside big organizations would have that no i agree with um, you I, I think so, sorry just to jump in I, I i think that's a that's a really important point you know um in my experience you know and 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 correctly so you know, in the past pandemic, typically environmental related threats, for a better word, were generally not considered as important as environment as adversarial. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, clearly with COVID-19, <laughs> things are going to look very different now in terms of the threat landscape. Well, and of course, if you're the of data owner, of course, the impact on your data um, are, are, are considerable. Yeah. Um, into that, you know, understanding those risks and what they may be. Okay, well, you know, practice the old CIA um, availability of data. Um, yeah. My data isn't available to me because suddenly I, my staff aren't allowed to work in the office and we haven't set them up to work from home. Um, so therefore, I can't, uh, i.e., I can't send out invoices. Yeah. So the impact, you know, you know, you, you, you so your business fails because you can't invoice. You know, because you've got no cash flow because you're not able to invoice your customers. Yeah. And I'm sure there's organisations that have been in that situation over the last few weeks, I, I've no doubt. Yeah. Um, so it's about ships, having that somebody who owns that, that accountability, responsibility, that's the, that's the 
big decisions, you know, um, making decisions by consensus is very difficult. Yeah. Making decisions where one person, you know, here's, here's my expert advice, um, you know, and, and too often we, we, it gets punted into security to make the decision. Actually, the security guys aren't necessarily going to understand the business impact. Yeah. So it has the business end that owns it, and it has to be the business end that says, thanks for your risk assessment. I see you flag this as a red risk. However, we've got to go with that because it's yeah. the only route we can go, and it's the only way we can run the business, or we've got to run on these legacy systems. We haven't got the budget to upgrade them for another 12 months, or whatever it might be. Um, but somebody's making a decision. It's, you know, it's no different, I suppose. I, mean, I, I, I make lots of analogies with, with aviation when I talk to clients and stuff. But, you know, on a plane, there is clear accountability. On the flight deck, there's clear accountability. Yeah. So at that point, from V1 to V2, there is accountability. Yeah. There is no room to have conference about it while they decide what they're going to do. One person has to say, we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for data, I think that's a really powerful thing to do, particularly if they've got the right support. Again, that's you know, security has got to drag themselves out of that basement and got to sit, sit with these guys and talk to them, influence them, and, and talk in a language that they need, they, that they understand. We yeah. talk in our, our job because it's what we do. Um, that doesn't help the business if we don't understand what we're talking about. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. And that's an interesting point. I was speaking to, to another colleague um, not so long ago who was talking about you know, the future of cybersecurity and basically the, the recruitment ground are going to be business analysts rather than, you know, not all the time. Obviously, we need the technical skills. But, you know, for those individuals that may hold a senior role and integrate more frequently with the business, um, because, you know, uh, she was saying, look, it's easier to be able to train people in business about cybersecurity than it is to train people in cybersecurity about business, which I guess kind of makes sense in some ways. Well, I think I think I think that's it's about this, the importance of working together to solve a common problem, yeah. um, and to solve the issue of ownership and the responsibilities and the risks of going with that. I mean, what, what we're not what we wouldn't be saying is, "Hey, Mister Data Owner, this is all on you now, right?" <laughs> um, we're saying, "Okay, we're going to help you make informed decisions. We're going to provide you with the support to do that. Um, we're going to challenge you." Uh, in an appropriate way. Um, and, then, you know, how many times, and you must have seen this millions of times, Nick, in your career, you get you get floor space with a senior manager and the first thing somebody does is pull out hundreds of graphs <laughs> and analysis and data and risk assessments and they and the, 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 the senior manager sits there and has no idea what you're talking about. So it's important of getting that message at the right time to the right people. And it, 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 you know, the higher up in your organisation you go, the simpler the message should be, which yeah. is always counterintuitive to what people tend to think. Make it simple. Okay, the impact on your business, if you do that, is potentially this. Yeah. You could lose your system for six weeks. One of our competitors lost their system for six weeks. How are you going to manage that? Yeah. And I go, oh, hang on a minute. It's a bit real because, okay, there's widgets we're producing. That's a million a day, and we make a pound of those, you know. And we're going to lose our system for six weeks. Let's do the maths on that. Hang on a minute. That's going to cost us a lot of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's that, I guess we've almost sort of strayed a little bit from pure data ownership, but it's actually that, that people bit, which is, which is so important to that data ownership thing there. If you just ask somebody to go off for too long and do it without any support, all you're doing is setting them up to fail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's really unfair. 
yeah. we've got to work with them and give them the IT guys, the security guys, we've all got to say, yeah, what about this? And have those sensible conversations. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think also, you know, you're not going to win a popularity, popularity contest with doing that approach anyway. And, you know, we, you know, obviously we work with a lot of clients that, yeah, the senior management get, get cybersecurity. They understand the consequences very clearly. Um, but there are other parts of the business that, that, that need to be brought along, you know, rather than the fear and uncertainty and doubt factor. Um, but I think fear, I mean, you know, without getting into too much uh, barroom philosophy or anything, but um, fear is often seen as the way to excite change. Um, and hey, let's be honest, as a, as a nation, we've been living in a bit of fear recently with mm-hmm. COVID and stuff and worrying about whether the NHS will cope or whatever. Um, and I think fear has some place because fear keeps us safe at times. You know, we don't go out and do things that are will, willfully stupid. Yeah, um, hopefully. Um, but actually, it's a pretty it's a pretty low bar. Um, fear is you know, we have to look at uh, a GDPR and how how many people piled into the privacy sector, um, often with, with, with not not a huge amount of experience. And the, and the primary thrust of the conversation was always going to be about. You could be fined this. Yes. Um, a fine is only money, but, you know, and I don't, I don't mean that flippantly, um, but, but fine, a fine is only money. Yeah. The real damage comes from your reputation and losing your customers. It's not about the fine. Yeah. Because the fine is, what, is it 5% of your turnover. Um, you know, that, that's 5% is 5%. You wouldn't want to lose it, but actually it's the damage to the reputation. And those, and those data owners can play a part in defending the business on that front, but it's got to be on that hearts. You know, security is almost is almost as much about hearts and minds these days as technical measures in many respects. Yeah, because you've got to get people's response to why they should be engaged, why they should be involved. And data owners, um, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with some 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 really really engaged and enthusiastic data owners who completely get it. Okay, they're quite happy not do it, mm. but they get why it's important to them, and they get why it's important to their their team's business function, and they get the impact if it goes wrong. And they get how important their role is in making their keeping the business secure. Yeah, yeah. Good points. Really good points. Okay. Well, look. Thanks very much for that, Simon. Um, appreciate your uh, your experience and knowledge around data ownership and pragmatic approaches to achieving it. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, much appreciated. And be sure to listen to the other podcasts that range on a number of key topics. Um, my name's Nick Frost. Thank you very much for listening. And if you want to find out more, uh, go to crmg-consult.com. Uh, you can reach out to me directly as well, nick.frost at crmg-consult.com. Uh, thanks very much. Bye for now.